The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. You're traveling through an area of central Ontario, an area of not only sights and sounds, but of smells. It could be one of the many bakeries or French fry trucks, or maybe it's the livestock on the many farms. It's a journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are those of imagination and those drawn some 20 years ago by amalgamation. Your next stop, a news magazine program about the people and issues of this unique zone. No need to be afraid. Well, we do have a great Halloween-inspired top five coming up on today's episode, courtesy of the frighteningly funny Jason Ward. I drop by a rehearsal at the Lindsay Little Theatre as its members prepare for their return to an indoor performance in their venue. It's first in more than a year and a half. We take you inside a recent public panel discussion at the Pie-Eyed Monk on diversity in municipal politics. And some great new music by one of those panelists with a song that is, coincidentally, so fitting with that panel discussion's theme. My name is Denny Gringo, and this is the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, Episode 42. Just going to grab a sip of my uh, apple tea here. Oh, man, that, you can just smell the pumpkin spice I added to my tea, can't you? Here, I'll hold it a bit closer to the microphone so that you can actually smell it. And this is not just any pumpkin spice, but a pumpkin spice recipe created right here in Kawartha Lakes and available at various locales. Bob Spices is Bob Gourley, a retired Red Seal chef who lives in Little Britain, where from his kitchen, he conjures up the spice that has taken the spice world by storm. Well, maybe I'm overstating that, or am I? Well, let's ask the man himself, Bob Gourley. Thanks for coming on the program. You're very welcome. Now, Bob, I know you create and market many different spices, and and I'll get to those in a moment. But I have to ask, in the wide world of spices, where there's an array of spices, where does pumpkin spice sit in terms of popularity, especially here that you've noticed in Kawartha Lakes? Uh, Pumpkin spice tends to be a seasonal product uh, with Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, Easter. It's something that we carry all the time and our retail uh, partners, they also carry it. They tend to carry it year round, you know, for your teas, for your lattes. And of course, if you're making pumpkin pie. <laughs> right. Well, hey, I'm having it in my tea right now. So I uh, I, I have to ask, why do, why do you think there's been, I, I know the pumpkin spice has actually been around for almost a hundred years. I did do some cursory research, yes. but it seems to have taken off in the last few years. Why do you think that is? Well, I think people are getting back to home cooking a little bit more and uh, uh, going back through their old uh, recipes and for pumpkin pies or muffins and uh, just the whole bakery uh, a situation, I think that they're using pumpkin spice a lot more than they ever have before. I guess advantage that we saw with our pumpkin spice is that you're not carrying all these uh, spices in your cupboard that you'll use only uh, once a year so that you're carrying five or six different things for one product, which... Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, I see. So rather than people trying to manufacture their their own pumpkin spice, this is a ready-made yes, pumpkin spice. You know, by, I think by adding a little bits of this or little bits of that, 
and then they've got it in their cupboard for two or three years. <laughs> and so it'll lose its uh, uh, a strength as time goes on. Hmm. So and I think this way uh, we tend to market it in little bottles or uh, little bags. Uh, so it won't last a long time. Okay, so without divulging any trade secrets, and, and I respect that recipes are a almost a kind of intellectual property. How do you make your pumpkin spice stand out amongst the many that are out there? What 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 is there about Bob's spice that'll go? Yes, I want that pumpkin spice. I want his. I think you'll find it's not as strong as some, and a lot of them put a, uh, sugar in it. And ours has no sugar, no preservatives, no anything. That's Again, why we pack it in uh, smaller packages and so forth. So it, you'll find in a lot of pumpkin spice, the number one ingredient will be sugar. So I guess that's okay if you're going to make cinnamon toast or something. Right. But it's not really, really good for your pie recipes or your lattes because you may not want to add uh, sugar to your tea. or So that would make us a little bit special, I think. And up to flavor itself is uh, special because of the uh, number of ingredients that we put into it. I'm not expecting you to divulge how many of each, but describe that well, process to me. <laughs> well, this, but I want I want to know what that process is like in your kitchens. I know you've got your family working with you, and your wife is a big part of this as well. So maybe just describe that that process to me. If if I walked into your kitchen, would I feel like I'm in a, a laboratory almost, where you're mixing and matching well, and testing? Yes, and there are uh, scales and there are a uh, mass and gloves and all that stuff because uh, spices uh, they get into the air and everything else. So. We try to uh, keep it as uh, a sterile en an environment as humanly possible for us. You know, so we do require that I wear a, a mask and gloves and all the rest of the stuff. We and it's all scaled. It's all standard recipes that we use. We label our own. We seal our own. <laughs> so you've turned your house <laughs> into a factory in many ways. Yes, it is. It's like a mini manufacturing plant. You know, so virtually uh, we have a number of people that we put into our little research group to try out different ones and i usually have a number of different formulas for them to try so and i blind a taste them on it more or less like i put little things i think underneath the plate so they can't tell which ones i've done testing like that on uh, every single one to make sure well just to get a broad appeal and they all come from different uh walks of life some are insurance salesmen some are farmers it's uh, firefighters a whole broad uh spectrum of uh, different people anyway and different flavors that they like and you find these people in little britain oh yeah yeah they're all uh, surrounding yeah they're all little britain this is all little britain orientated even the majority of our retailers are within a uh, 50 to 100 kms of us anyway that we don't go of into the cities so to speak at all besides Lindsay. Hmm. it sounds and, like that's uh, important to you well it is important uh that we keep local we're keeping it small because i can keep it fresh keep it uh, it's more important to me that the quality is out there than I sell 10 million bottles, so it's, <laughs> which I'm not. <laughs> well, you're selling lots of bottles to your neighbors and, and people in the area. Hey, Bob, I want to read something here from uh, a passage from one of your, um, your blogs. Sometimes I learned through the wise words of mentors, and other times I learned from mistakes and hardships. But regardless, every lesson was learned for a reason. Can you point to any lessons you've learned throughout your tenure as as our as our resident spice maker, whether it's about spices or just anything beyond that, what have you learned throughout this whole process? Be careful sometimes that I'm not going towards what I like and to what more towards what I think the general public will like. Or if I'm coming up with something, uh, say for instance, the blackened spice, which is very spicy. It's a Creole Cajun 
I had to be careful that I didn't blow their socks off because, <laughs> but at the same time, I think every single product that I produce is something that I enjoy myself. Maybe just finally, so. Bob, I know that you're not a one man operation here, a one person operation, your wife's involved. Absolutely. You've got a couple of your, uh, your sons involved as well. What's that like well, creating yeah, this yeah. enterprise with, with, uh, all those quote unquote cooks who are relatives in your kitchen. What's that like? I guess when I retired, I had 50 years in. So, so basically it's been different for me. Uh, my wife is involved now because she retired uh, very recently. And so she's with me all the time. My son's girlfriend, uh, Kellyanne Kerrigan's a, a registered dietitian, and she's part of our team. And, and my son, Graham, as well, who has uh, been the big push behind this since the beginning, just to get me doing something instead of just hanging around the house. I guess what I do is a lot of fun. I really have a lot of fun doing it because I, I love it. We're all the better for it, and our spice racks are, uh, are, are more plentiful because of it. Thanks for doing this, Bob. Ah, my pleasure. My name is Bob Gorley of Bob Spices in Little Britain, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Fourth of Lakes. To find a location in Kawartha Lakes near you where you can buy Bob's Spices, including that sugar-free pumpkin spice, visit bobspices.ca. The Advocate Podcast, along with The Advocate Online and The Advocate Magazine, well, we're all 100% local media. In the newest edition of the magazine, Will McGinn goes behind the scenes at the city's biggest bakery, Kawartha Wholesale Bakery. Yesterday, October 31, was, as you know, Halloween, which when you think about everything we've dealt with, Halloween 2021 wasn't quite as scary as Halloween 2020. We can actually now see light at the end of this dark tunnel. Some restrictions have been lifted, for one thing, and we can actually venture outside our homes, which is great, because those lockdowns sure did create some scary moments. Well, here at The Advocate Podcast, we present you with the top five in that scary list of what those lockdowns created. And we've recruited our resident expert in all things Halloween to help us out. Here then is a top five list of the most scariest lockdown related things of the past year, as read by Jason Ward. Okay, Jason, are, uh, are you ready to go? Yeah, do you have your, your scary, frightening voice for this one? Ready to go. All right, here we go, man. Number five. What? The internet is down again? So like now we have to talk to each other? Help! Number four. I lost that mask. My special mask. The one that doesn't make my glasses fog up. Oh no! Number three. That delivery person left that box outside in the rain. And now my bread maker slash air fryer slash juicer slash CD player is completely soaked. Number two. What do you mean that dog doesn't want to go out for another walk? And the number one most scariest lockdown related thing of the past year? That six meter tall stack of takeout containers in the back porch that, sure, you'll deal with, you know, eventually. <laughs> All right, man, that was great. Our thanks to Jason Ward, author of Resolving Grave Disputes, The Law of Dead Bodies in Ontario. Now, not only is Jason an author and a great deliverer of top five lists, Ward's Lawyers is also our show's official sponsor since day one. If you need a lawyer, just point and click to wardlegal.ca. That's where you'll find Carissa and Jason Ward's team of lawyers and how they can meet all your legal needs. 
On October 28, The Advocate magazine was host to a panel discussion on diversity in municipal politics. It took place upstairs at the Pie-Eyed Monk in Lindsay. This was an opportunity to hear the thoughts and experiences from local leaders and business owners. The panel discussed the need for diverse voices, not just in our local government, but also in our community. We take you inside that panel discussion that featured Heather Stobel, Marlene Morrison-Nichols, Jessica Topfer, Arash Yazdani, Shiva Caboose, and Louis Segura. Mayor Andy Lethem was asked to contribute some opening remarks on behalf of the city, and the evening was introduced by advocate publisher Roderick Dent. Everyone, welcome to the Advocates panel discussion on diversity. And who better to kick things off for discussion on diversity than a 50 year old white guy? <laughs> Perspective is something I would imagine we'll hear a lot about tonight. And as the pandemic has worn on, more GTA residents than ever have been looking to communities like ours to sell. Thanks for having me here tonight. Uh, I think this is an important topic, and, and I've been asked to comment on, on the topic of diversity or perhaps more specifically, the lack of diversity uh, within municipal councils. Um, there's really no one lens through which we can evaluate diversification. And to that end, I don't believe that there should be a focus on merely one solution or one set of ideas. Whether we are looking at gender, age, or ethnicity, there are a number of changes that need to occur to reduce barriers to entry. And having been born and raised here, I can tell you very much that the landscape is changing extremely quickly. Uh, when my family came in 1985, they were probably one of the other families on the other hand of your friend, maybe. And, uh, you know, they very, very easily could have left Lindsay. Uh, they came on a program where they were sponsored and they were required to be here for two years. And they very easily could have, like many other Iranian families, picked up after two years and headed to Richmond Hill. And uh, I probably would not be the person I am today. And um, you know why diversity matters for me is because I truly did feel accepted by this community from day one. And oftentimes these issues are overlooked because it's kind of overshadowed by you know, more powerful media or more, you know, um, like we all know, for example, like Alec Baldwin just shot and killed someone, but you may not know what's going on in your own community. And so that's why I think diversity is so important because the issues that we face in our own community are so important. Minorities in the community, uh, they may be facing like larger, like sort of significant barriers or challenges. Being a father of four, uh, of young Lindians, uh, my view or my vision would be, you know, a, a town that is openly diverse, where they can explore their ideas, they can explore their dreams. Um, so for those who don't know, as you heard, I'm the mayor of the city of Peterborough. Um, I get asked to speak to these kinds of things because I don't I guess look like a typical mayor. Um, also because back in 2018, we elected uh, one of the most diverse councils in Ontario. We have two black councillors, uh, including a young uh, woman who's 28. Um, I'm, I started when I was 28 as a city councillor. I'm a bit older than that now, but still generally one of the youngest 
in a lot of the rooms that I sit in. There is no single solution to all of these, but making sure that people are involved, whether it's at committees, at advisory boards, um, in some volunteer capacity, whether it's at schools or in uh, board meetings, that sort of thing, it, re it really changes the conversation that you have, and it also does give people the opportunity to learn. I grew up on a farm with three sisters, so I didn't understand about gender bias or things that weren't equitable. We just did the work that was ahead of us that day, uh, didn't complain about it, helped a neighbor if they needed it, and so I didn't understand until I got into the insurance industry. And I was literally lambasted. You know, I walked into a room, I was one of the only one in the room with 85 men. And it was like, oh. I joined a men's golf league this year and uh, got, got the opportunity to meet a bunch of people I have never met. And uh, this one one guy I met, he he like was upset when I told him that racism does exist in this community. That's the real challenge for the community. And but wouldn't it be nice if the city of Port Lakes was known widely as a welcoming community for people to come? And Lewis, aren't we all immigrants? <laughs> really, Absolutely. we're learning. We're 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 the settlers, right? So our indigenous people. That's why you acknowledge the do the land acknowledgement here. We're, we're all immigrants to this country at some point or some time. So understanding that and recognizing that we, we just share this land, then I think that's really important. And it's an aspect of community that I'm learning about right now. The immigrant experience is a, is a huge experience. I mean, I know myself, I came here in 86 with my family, and same thing, my parents worked, worked, worked. Looking back now that I've had that we've had was that you know, you're a guest in this country as an immigrant. So you almost just put your head down and work, put your head down and stay out of the way. But now being you know where I am now and I have children, I have biracial children, uh, this moment really is like a, a, an awakening moment where it's like this is my home. That last voice you heard belongs to Louis Segura, co-owner, along with his wife Leanna, of Fresh Fuel Health Food Restaurant on Angeline Street. Well, now you'll hear his other voice singing a brand new song with its video that'll be launched this coming Saturday at The Monk. This is Small Town Big Dreams by Close Kicks, featuring Luwa, a.k.a. Louis Segura. Big dreams, baby steps, big shoes Show me some signs, dog Throw me some clues Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? And if I go left, well, I take the right steps And if I go right, well, I have enough left To keep going, to keep going, go You just need to believe to overachieve Yeah, that's what they selling Stay on the grind, that's from inside That's what kept telling Me to manifest for most of us and hope Peep what I wrote the paper, speak what I spoke into reality. What matter broke the window to potential. Hard to believe the message had an instrumental, essential to memory. Melodic therapy, a melody kept telling me the light is seen by the early riser. So I awoke to the wiser. Now my path is 
synergize to see it through. Yeah, do what I do and keep my raps clear. You'll never hear me mumble. And if I made it here, it's cause for years I kept it humble. Twice I rise for every time I stumble. Small town, big dreams, baby steps, big shoes. Show me some signs, guard. Throw me some clues. Which way to go, guard? Which path to choose? And if I go left, will I take the right steps? And if I go right, will I have enough left? Big shoes, show me some signs, God. Throw me some clues. Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? And if I go left, will I take the right steps? And if I go right, will I have enough left to keep going, to keep growing? Working my plan, callous life written in the palm of my hands. Palm trees, Pacific breeze, volcanic sand, far from where I stand. A child from the first caravan. Music in the keys of life, still trying to understand nature and the essence. She's a creator in my presence. Four seeds to believe the life's a blessing. Lessons kept stressing over time to simplify life and amplify my vibe. Struggle from the go, all we know is survive. Exist to resist from the day we arrive. So every story is live. Capture the moment, let it go. And y'all never hold it inside. Small town, big dreams, baby steps, big shoes. Show me some signs, God. Throw me some clues. Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? And if I go left, will I take the right steps? And if I go right, will I have enough left to keep going, to keep growing? Go. Small town, big dreams, baby steps, big shoes. Show me some signs, God. Throw me some clues. Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? And if I go left, will I take the right steps? And if I go right, will I have Close Kicks featuring Luwop, also known as Louis Segura. That video of that song, Small Town Big Dreams, will see its premiere at the Pie-Eyed Monk this coming Saturday, November 6th. My name is Riley Ray from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate podcast, Stories from Kortha Lakes. It's been a tough go for all live performance venues these past many, many dark and dreary months. But wouldn't you agree that they don't seem as dark lately? Maybe even a bit bright? The Lindsay Little Theatre would think so. The 41-seat venue is poised to return to the stage with shows Friday, November 19 to Sunday the 21st. I should point out the stage inside. The Amateur Theatre Company did make a good go of it with success on an outdoor stage in its parking lot this past summer, but this upcoming comedy drama marks the company's first production inside its walls in more than a year. The Tin Woman is about a woman, Joy, on a downward spiral following a heart transplant, and a couple mourning the loss of their son, Jack, whose heart was used to save Joy. I sat in on a rehearsal recently and spoke to some of the actors, as well as director Colette Marshall Schroeder, to get their thoughts on this welcome return to a stage that is not open air. Sammy. Sammy! 
I think one of the things that we all learned through the pandemic is that entertainment is such a vital part of our lives. When when we were all stuck at home, what were we all doing? We were watching Netflix or whatever, overindulging sometimes in entertainment. And to bring that entertainment value back to our small community, I think that is absolutely priceless. This is so cool. The woman who has Jack's heart is it's not completely business as usual. So any of the audience members attending will have to be masked and they will have to show proof of double vaccination. And also we made the choice of taking out the first row of seats because if you've never been to this theater before, um, you're basically on the stage if you're in the first row of seats. And so to give our actors enough space and also I think make the audience feel more comfortable, we felt that taking out the first row of seats was the responsible thing to do. Sharon, you're not even rehearsing tonight, but you're still hanging out here. Why is that? Uh, well, I came partly to see if they needed an extra voice. If someone couldn't make it, I could read their lines for them. But really, I just like being in the space. A cast becomes a family very quickly. What has this family meant for you, especially now, given that we weren't able to hang out like a quote-unquote family? Well, you know, the last 20 months or so, most of my life has revolved around, uh, you know, being at home, working and uh, cooking meals and taking care of my family and, and that sort of thing and not much else. So this is a, a really nice little escape for me and a nice break and I appreciate it very much. My name is Sharon Drew and I'm in the production The Tin Woman at Lindsay Little Theatre and I play a supporting role of a woman named Darla. What's it like for you to be back performing on any stage given what we've gone through in the past 20 months? It's, uh, it's like um, food for my soul because um, Acting is my hobby, but it's also my creative outlet. Um, these are a group of people, and this is a community that's inclusive and accepting and fun, and I've missed, missed, missed that so much. I brought two pies, uh, one for you and Dad, and one for Joy that's gluten-free. In the grand scheme of things, how big a price is it for you and the theatre to, to adhere to those protocols? Honestly, don't know how to answer that question right now. I, I think that that will be determined. I think once we see what our ticket sales are like, and, and unfortunately we're not trying to fill a 600 seat theater, we're trying to fill 30 some odd seats. Um, so I'm hoping it's not gonna be a big price at all. <laughs> yes, I'm the source, I'm the source. Hi, I'm Will Boyer, I'll be playing Hank in The Tin Woman. Doing the outdoor stuff, it made a big difference. The elements were getting there, and you'd have a flock of geese going across and honking and different things like that, kids playing on the street. So that was different. So I'll, I'll see what it's like to do one in relative uh, quiet. No, I don't. Why do we have to meet her? She said thank you. When they're on stage looking up at the audience, and, they, and they're going to see the difference. They're going to see people in masks. They're going to see that front row missing. How? What have you told them to adjust to that? <laughs> One of the great benefits is that really, honestly, you can't see people's faces all that well <laughs> past the first row. Um, so, um, so it's moot? It's kind of a little bit of a moot point, but it certainly does, um, it does look different when you can't see people laughing. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll be able to hear them. I'm hoping we'll be able to just tell by their body language whether they're enjoying the show or not. Go and sin no more. 
what's the point in going through it? Just leave it alone. You're going to be on stage looking at an audience that's wearing masks and maybe physically distanced. How do you get past that as, as an actor? That's a great question because uh, I think um, as much as you're not supposed to be sort of um, pretending that you know that the, that the audience is there, you certainly do. And, and with a, a theater this size, you, you see the looks on their faces. You can look them right in the eyes. Um, so having a mask on will certainly... It would normally feel odd, but because we've normalized it so much, I actually don't anticipate that it's going to be a problem. It's become so much a part of our lives. Everywhere you go, you only see half of everybody's face anyway. Oh, he likes them too. Oh my, oh my gosh. What is it? Well, well, I think it's worse with the comedies if their mouths are covered because you want to see the smile, you want to see, the, hear the laughter and stuff, and it gets muffled. So uh, I think with this one being a little more dramatic, some amusing parts, we'd like to hear a chuckle or two along the way, but uh, I think it, it, it won't affect it too much. Pick and analyze, it doesn't help a thing. We're doing just fine. Well, I know for the members of the cast, especially, it's been very, uh, you know, it's been a way to keep going and keep focused on something and to have something, you know, that we're working on together, you know. And, and for the community, I'm sure they they just are happy to see everything coming coming back to life, you know, and being able to be entertained again and, yeah. Complaining about every damn thing and drinking and all I'm hours. not is that I should be able to be in my house. Art is, um, is medicine for the soul. It's certainly medicine for my soul being a part of it. So um, one, of the, one of my favorite things about doing this is making people laugh. So I always look for characters to play that are either funny or quirky or silly or whatever because that's where I get my kicks is, is getting a laugh from the audience. So if you, if you follow that laughter is the best medicine, uh, certainly that follows in any kind of production. Even though this is a drama, there are funny moments. Um, I, I'm fortunate that my character gets to have those funny moments. How important do you think it is now in, in this world that we're living in now? Oh, I think that there's so much negativity and so much sadness and so many down things that one can see on the news that I think being able to go to some kind of an event, an art event, and being able to just let go and just uh, escape into that is uh, is very important. I think it's, it's, a, it's a reprieve that people need. What am I supposed to tell her? Tell her whatever you want. This is your jamboree. What? We want people to be here. We want to put butts in seats. Everybody has to sit around and pick and analyze. The Lindsay Little Theater's production of The Tin Woman. Its first show inside the charming venue on George Street in Lindsay in more than a year is scheduled for November 19 through to the 21st. Showtimes and ticket information at lindsaylittletheater.com. That's where you'll also get details on the safety protocols you'll need to follow to attend those productions. Gerald Van Haltren is the creative force behind our theme and musical Bridges. Our exclusive sponsor is Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, they've got you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. And for this show's need for a fun-filled Halloween-inspired top five list, well, Jason Ward also has us covered. My thanks to him for his help with that. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free. Follow us on Facebook and IG. Please spread the word about what we do here. Our show's continued success depends on downloads. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Fourth Lakes is produced by me, Denis Grignel. Next time we talk, we're going to be at 90%, right? 
please spread the good word about reaching that important benchmark too.